0: Good morning, this is Talking Devils, your favourite Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined as always by Manchester United legend Paul Parker to talk over another of those difficult weeks at Manchester United. Paul, um, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing fine. It was a a difficult, but seems like it's coming a, a usual Saturday at this moment in time with a dour performance and but yesterday was a little bit
0: brighter because I was at West Ham yesterday, so that was definitely a lot better. Yeah, it was. Um, although, I mean, how much of that um, cheered my weekend? I don't know. Two two little mm-hmm. bits of good um, things on, on yesterday as well. Um, my nephew got the um, man of the match for his team and he got a trophy <laughs> for it and his team won, so I'm happy with that. And also um, Rafa, um, Rafael de Silva, um, his, his Botafogo team won 4-0 at Vasco da Gama in the second division in Brazil so they're like one step away from promotion now and you can imagine Botafogo winning 4-0 at Vasco da Gama there was um, <laughs> a lot of fireworks at full time mm-hmm. um, that sort of stuff, if you're, if you're watching on YouTube please like and subscribe on, on Facebook as well, like the, the video and feel free to get your questions in as well Um, and obviously if you listen back on the mm-hmm. audio we really do appreciate uh, the reviews on apple or all your podcast provider if they allow reviews Um, so on the channel this week there's been uh, yesterday's podcast with scott wooten and dave Um, the pair went through the city game in their own way they talked about a couple of the things we're we're obviously going to reference on the show today as well gordon hill united legend wrote a column for the website last night where he spoke out about the personal abuse that's been aimed at ollie Um, by the trolls online Um, it's quite a powerful statement and and well done to Gordon for coming out and taking that stand on the website as well, I wrote a couple of things over the weekend, a match summary and then a longer detailed analysis (coughs) of what's been happening at United which has um, led us to that point Um, thanks for all the feedback on that by the way, for people who've been reading that on socials um, again it's going to be something I'm going to reference in a bit we're going to start off with the game but before we do that Rory (coughs) asks us how we're feeling this morning uh, Rory, I was with Rory as I am 10 minutes before we go into the stadium every day and say, no, not feeling um, particularly positive. Paul, um, how are you feeling this morning? I mean, uh-huh. not, I know we just went over that, but I mean, in terms of like reflecting, on, obviously it was very difficult and we'll talk about the game in a moment. But um, considering how difficult it was on Saturday, now you've had 48 hours to digest it, are you feeling a little bit more level-headed or are you still feeling quite as emotional as you would have been on Saturday?
1: I would say that um, it was almost similar, deja vu Liverpool, to be perfectly honest, but I would say in certain ways it was worse. It was it was certainly more embarrassing. That second yeah. half was embarrassing, to be perfectly honest. It just seems like I've never seen the, the United team give up in the manner in which they did. Liverpool well, was poor, but they yeah. got but a quite
0: a few of those players gave up and accepted it. Yeah. Well yeah, I think yeah you're absolutely right. And I think that's it, isn't it? That's the intangible part of what people are saying that and I, I tend to agree. I mean there's the there was a the shock and the hurt of what happened against Liverpool <clears throat> because it was like, how can it be mm. this bad? And then you you knew that it could be that bad. So you, a lot of us were bracing for the worst against City, but seeing them do what Liverpool did. It's like we, we were saying at the time, would it have been worse for Liverpool to score another five or to just do what they did for the last half hour and just keep the ball like they did? It was just as humiliating, and that's what City did. And they didn't have to go five goals up. They they were doing it with yeah. two goals in they, they they absolutely um, destroyed us in that. Um, they, and it, should, it was just, the scoreline like Liverpool that was half as damning as it could have been. Half as damning as what the scoreline uh, suggested was. So, it's, I mean, before we get on to the City game, want to try and get a positive note in there, Paul. So take as long or as quickly as you need to on this one. Because it seems like it was last season, but it was only last week. That Ronaldo equaliser in Atlanta was pretty good, wasn't it? <laughs> The last minute one.
1: It, it was considering that he he didn't really. I don't think he was warmed up properly in the second half because I I would say that was his second or third touch of the ball. Yeah. When he's done that, that tells you the the quality that he's got if he can get into the right areas and get given the ball. I mean, it was, was something incredible which is, it caught everyone out. I'm sitting here and I'm look I'm looking at the game, and I'm I'm in negative mode. I've gone now everything suggested, why not, because get, your body's getting used to it, your mind's getting used to United and being negative. And that comes from nowhere, and all of a sudden you think, wow. And then you look at it, and then you start thinking all the negative things about you relying on one person to get you out of trouble all the time. So that, so as much as it was a good thing for United to get back in the game, it was a bad thing when, you're looking at the, when you look at the long game of Manchester United at this moment in time. They're relying on one person to get them out of trouble. And I can and I can see it already is that there was all these talkers about the reason why he's with United is because of City wanted him to that kind of push things and it allowed him to come to United. But after watching the humiliation the other day and watching the way City play, you think how many shots at goal he would have if he played for Manchester City? How many opportunities would he have? How many touches of the ball in the box would he have if he played for Manchester City? And you've got to say 90% more than what he does playing for Manchester United. That is a difference to a team that can keep the ball to a team that can't keep the ball. And when you talk it's Manchester United and it's not, say, i.e. Carlisle United against Manchester City, the touches of the ball, the ball retention for Manchester United in midfield is absolutely Shocking, shocking. There's one footballer, one creative player as such in that midfield. That's all there was on the pitch, you know, and yeah. then you had Greenwood, then you had Ronaldo. You know, it just doesn't, it just didn't make any sense at all.
0: No, Let, let's talk about it again There, I mean, you he, he said about the Ronaldo thing, it was papering over the cracks as his goals have done all season, really. And those cracks were, again, apparent in the derby. Uh, one thing we've said all along with this new shape is that it's all right having a pragmatic shape, but United don't have safety in numbers because the players aren't good enough um, and the the midfield can't protect the ball and can't keep it. Um, the defence is much too erratic and accident-prone to allow that kind of shape to be successful against a good team. It took seven minutes for Eric By to do what Eric By does, and you could say it's unfortunate, but it happens too much. Um, to be bad luck. And I actually thought I mean, a lot of people were saying he played well against Atalanta, and I agreed, he was probably one of our better players. And yet, I still felt he was culpable for the goals that we conceded. You know, I know Maguire was as well, but I'm saying by B- played a big part in that. So, you know, and then he, he goes and scores the own goal. And really, I mean, the-, the response was predictable, and it was depressing how predictable it was. It was a training match for them. I don't even think saying it's a training match for them is um, emphatic enough. Um, They had two-thirds of the ball. We never laid a glove on them. The only thing that we did was a Ronaldo volley in that first half. It was embarrassing. It was humiliating. It was shambolic. It was one of the worst derby performances of all time. Even on the infamous day that United were relegated when they played City, they put up a better fight. It was gutless. It was dreadful. Paul, I mean, I, I can't be more emphatic than what I, I just said it there, but um, you're a United legend who's played in, in Derby games. What were you thinking when you saw that?
1: Oh, I, I want to come and say something positive, but there wasn't anything. There wasn't any anything you could take away take away from that game and feel pleased about. And everyone's everyone's going to have their say, you know, at the end of the day. Big, the main thing should be everyone should talk about, about City more than anything, about what they've done. Everyone was thinking this could be a game because of the way City have been of late. You know, everyone, a few people have put to bed about, try to put to bed about the 5-0 thinking oh, winning at Spurs. Winning at Spurs, again, there was that old adage come up about papering over the cracks because Tottenham were Tottenham were very, very poor. That's me yeah. keeping it all. As simple as possible. I saw I was there when they played against Vitesse. They were twenty-five minutes and there was a little bit of energy about them, but they're poor. Yesterday they were poor. Um United were were awful. There, there's no change from the Liverpool game. Um, in, in certain ways that was worse than the Liverpool games as I said earlier, because no no one no one done anything. People want to blame, want to they go straight away. It's like Olympi substitutions. You know who's going to come off. What he sees is the maybe the weaker ones, the ones who aren't going to moan. So Mason Greenwood is always going to come off. You know that Fred's going to come off. You know when you look at it, I can't. You, it's easy to blame Fred, but I'm looking at around and I'm seeing Fred give the ball away. I no, no, one's perfect, but Fred always puts puts himself under pressure. Well, when he wants to pass, he's trying to be sometimes too progressive because but it's not in his locker to be able to do that. But he's trying yeah. to be positive with his pass. Um but the other fella, Scott McTominay, runs around, doesn't lay a glove on anybody, only passes it sideways or backwards, and but he stays on the field. Fred needs to play in high tempo games to get the best from him. Win it pass it, one and two touch. But because they're so slow and clumbersome with the ball from the back to the midfield, it makes Fred look like a poor player. Oli takes him off because that's the easy one. He may be in his head thinking, I oh, can't take off, can't take a Scott McTominay. He's come through the academy. Don't want to take him off. He might might upset people. He's not touching the ball. He can't get close enough. It. At least Fred, the way he works, and because he's got that change of pace, can get close to people. But Scott McTominay can't. And, if I'm going to have to keep saying this for another season or for the rest of the season, it's going to bore me, is you cannot play with both of them in midfield. If one of them's going to play, it has to be Fred, because he's got quick feet, and if he's working in the mid- with two creative players as such, then he you'll find he will be a better player. I'm look, again, I'm at West Ham yesterday. I'm watching West Ham play against Liverpool, the team that could have won 10. West Ham get competitive second half, closing them down <clears throat> further up, further as far away from their box as possible in the second half. Even in the first half, they were still defending reasonably deep, creating counter-attacks, but Liverpool couldn't get anywhere near them. Liverpool only scored their goal because Salah decides to fall over Craig Paulson, poor referee, Whig referee, gives a foul. But they get closer, and that's West Ham. West Ham have a better midfield than Manchester United. That's how poor it is. They've got more competitive players than Manchester United. They've got more players at West Ham who play with pride for that shirt than what West Ham have got more than more, West Ham have got more than Manchester United. I look at I look at Gavin McGavin um, because Gavin I played with Gavin, play Gavin Maguire QPR. Harry Maguire, all he does he's a modern day Tony Adams, puts his arm up. Every time he's in problem, arm up um, the goal, one of the goals, who was, who was the man who kept um, Man City onside? Maguire. Sitting deeper than anyone else. He's the one, the last man played. What's he doing after when he looks at the assistant? What's to blame? What's to blame other people? We're playing with two, allegedly, two wing backs. Every time in that first half, City attack. And you look at it, straight line of five across the back. Great against Tottenham. wan is going forward. Luke Shaw's going forward. Great. I turned around and said, so i was sitting there watching, when, I, when I was watching them do that. And after I have turned around and said, great this is, but they will not be going forward like that against City because both of them be scared. I said, Pep will do something to threaten them. What did Pep do to make it more difficult? He doesn't play Jack Grealish because you, you know what Jack Grealish is going to do. Jack Grealish is going to slow a game down because Jack Grealish plays for himself. He silly dribbles and try to fall over. I'm going to play... Foden wide left and say, stay wide. And if you stay wide, Wampasaka is not going to want to dive in. He's going to be worried about things in behind him. And he's going to stop you going. And that's what happens. Stop any intention of Wampasaka running forward. What happens? One run forward, which in the end, they nearly get a little bit of joy from. When he makes a run forward, and I I think he plays Ronaldo in, of going forward. On the other side, Luke Shaw sees a little bit in front of him. I'm not going to run forward because so if I run forward too far, it means I've got to run back again. Lazy. Comes off groggy. And i tell you what, he looked groggy. They said he looked groggy. I didn't really see a way. He looked any different from he normally looks when he plays because he's had his up. And it was all right, But you can't. Defensively, United want to win Premier Leagues. not just one. They want to be competing to win two, three, four on the bounce. That's what the, that's what the club's about. Not with that, not with a back four like that. It doesn't work. The four together cannot do it. And if anything, now, after watching Fernandez, he did something in the first half, and I said in the radio, that says it all. Fernandes um Fernandez has chased that wire to close someone down, um, just on the south by the south stand, just near to the top line in the south stand. And as he's won the ball to he's turned round and virtually said to that back four, and his arms have gone like that. And that means. Come closer. There's five of them. Get closer because he's running around in massive areas. Couldn't feel too many. They don't squeeze up because the so-called captain doesn't speak. He's scared of his pace. Will not take responsibility. They yeah. have to now make a decision. Ollie, if he really wants to finish the season and really be seen as doing something, put sentiment aside. I've used that word again. And start making harsh decisions about individuals to test their character. Take away the armband from Harry Maguire and say, become a centre-half first, and then you might be able to then help other people out. And it's absolutely embarrassing now. Roy has said a lot. Roy got questioned by an individual outside. That individual outside who had a go at Roy is someone who's wearing rose-tinted glasses. Maybe a modern-day person saying, oh, don't have a go at them because that will upset them. Upset people. Do it. Upset people and test their characters, how much they want to wear that jersey, how much they want to play football, how much they want to play for Manchester United. Because as I said last week, Wayne, there's a lot of players who want to wear that jersey and walk around. Walk around Manchester and people go to them, oh. That's Harry and Maguire. That's, they play for United and they're going, there smiling, oh, can you sign something? But they're not willing to do the rest of it that goes with it by trying to cheat as much as they can. And when you hear about certain players going out after that game as if nothing's happened, go out with your wife, go out with your partner. Don't go out drinking with your mates. What happens is you end up smiling and laughing and joking and you're not going to go out with your mates. Don't do it and say, oh, well, the game's gone, you can't do anything about it now. That old excuse has gone way. You're living in a football town. Respect it.
0: Well, I don't know. Just close the podcast. That's you've absolutely I you know, obviously I, I'm a United fan. Um, everyone watching this, I, I'm gonna presume United fans to hear someone come out and say it like that is just that's what you want from a man united player, and he's I want them to be as hurt as you obviously are by watching that because, you know, you can feel that, you know, and, and you haven't played for 25 years. It's it's just unbelievable. I mean, I, I use all the, the buzzwords right at the top there and I mean we've got loads of comments coming in and I'm going to read them all in a moment. Um, I do want to just say as well, a lot of people, we are going to be digging out the players on this, but Ali did get it wrong and it's no, this is not, Crazy, Ollie, or defending him at all. The shape was all wrong. The I think it was a diamond we played against them last up last season at home, and we got the nil nil. But we packed the midfield and not the defence, and that's the <clears> way, <throat> way to do it against the city team. And Ollie's he was too pragmatic, he was too timid. It was reflected in the performance, and we got what we deserved. And the criticism is from the manager and the players. Um, let me just go through some of these comments. Uh, but I mean, Paul, you've basically. Said a lot of the um, of the um, <laughs> all the con- the points that have already been referenced here. Patrick says, "Morning, guys. I felt re- referring to a back five was Oli fudging the real issue. We've just said that Shaw Maguire and Wamba form. One or more defenders need to be dropped. Together, message about unacceptable standards. Oli trusts certain players will let him down on." Um, letting Man United down on a frequent basis. It might sound harsh, but even using academy players would get the message across. What's the point in buying tellers? Dallas if they can't start with this poor. Um, Rory says, I've said exactly the same as Patrick. The standards shown are now accepted and they shouldn't be. Is it because there's no belief in those that would come in? Um, I, I'm pretty sure this is keen watching. Um, Tommy <clears throat> was hiding, almost received, uh, afraid to receive the ball. Patrick says, "Well, well said, Paul, for that that statement there." And yeah, I mean, that's we, we've covered everything that you guys have just said there, and we're going to be talking a little bit more about Maguire and those players in a moment as well. Um, I just wanted to sort of talk about the the way that the game sort of unfolded, Paul. I mean, you played in a game that's not a million miles away from this. Don't get me wrong; City were nowhere near the same standard as as they are now. But I'm talking about the the hostility in the environment of a derby game, which is supposed to provoke reactions from players. Um, and so I'm talking specifically about the game came straight after the Galatasaray game. So obviously there was humiliation. Uh, they had, were well, they throwing Turkish delight wrappers onto the pitch and stuff like that? City fans were crowing, they were 2-0 up at half time. What's your feeling at that moment? You've got the humiliation of Europe behind you. Um, you've got this 2-0 scoreline. You could fold if you want. I'm trying to understand what's so different to this group of players. What what You called it last week, and you've just said it again. The profile of playing for United is appealing. The reality is obviously a little bit too much for some of them. The bare minimum, you're supposed to work harder than your opponent at United. That's the one thing you should know as a United player. When things are going wrong as well, when you do have a shock like the Liverpool game, the default principle you return to is work harder than your opponent. United are at that point now, but it was nowhere to be seen on Saturday. And I know that that says there's something wrong with the manager, hmm. but it's also on the players as well. I mean, you look at the tackle stats, none from Lindelof, two from Maguire, one from Eric by two from wan one from Shaw, one each from Fred and McTominay. They weren't laying a glove on him. Four, five from Fernandez because he's the one doing it. But I'm not talking about tackle stats. I'm talking about the desire and pride to not be humiliated like they were. A part of me wonders, Paul, and we've kind of intimated on this before, but maybe not come out and articulate it this way. I wonder if Ole thinks that the standards of the club speak for themselves, that you trust the players to sink or swim. You say, oh, you're United, this is what you do. But too many of them are sinking. Nine of them sunk on Saturday, and I give De Gea and Ronaldo a break on that, because the ship is sinking, and at least they know the standard, what Solskjaer's talking about. But What's the re- where's the responsibility there, and uh, I mean, what what I'm trying to say is, when you're in the dressing room and you tune them down against Manchester City, you don't need the manager to tell you how embarrassing it is, do you? you you've got a certain amount of pride to come out and want to do better.
1: Yeah, but I think the, the biggest problem with Manchester United is really life and theory, life has changed. The people can't being born at this moment in time are being model coddled and they're being brought up in a world where you don't, don't have a go at me because I've got this, I've got that, and I might crumble. They're virtually telling you, I'm weak. and But then you can't turn around and suddenly go, okay, go away, move on, I'm going to find. You've got to, you can't do that because that's, it's not part of life anymore. You've got to bring that person, even though they've admitted a weakness to you, you've got to accept it. And that's what's happening in life, and it's happening in football now that you cannot get at people because they will crumble. They will go to their agent. They will do this and they will let it known to the press. And you're the one vindicated as a manager, as a person, because you've been a little bit harsh. You want more from them, but you have to be soft. And you think, so you might be able to do that of an individual and get more. But if collectively, there is a lot of people who still need that, who want to react by turning around and saying, I'm going to go and show you and go and do it. And as Sir Alex was, you'd walk in after the game, if he's given you the volley at half time, and he would whack you around the back of the head, shake your hand and tell you, and you would sometimes say, I told you, I knew you could do it. You were letting yourself down, weren't you? And you'd look at him and you want to turn around and say things and whatever. But you knew he was right. Now, we walked in from that game being 2-0 down against City after what happened in Turkey. Go out, been thrown in the tunnel, Turkish Delights, and it, all, it was all starting. It you know, made a big difference. As you go onto that pitch and you have the kipaks right in front of you, you have to go. Up. So you know, I started off the first half on that near side, and you're getting things thrown at you, getting things said to you. And then we go, we go in at half time, The boss is fuming absolutely you can tell this there's a he goes at us he goes absolutely mad gets his jacket and just says to kiddo kiddo sort them out just says virtually he's virtually trying to leave it to kiddo as he's walking out the door um what was his name i forgot warren, warren clark warren clark dl and pasco was walking past and the boss has just virtually gone and got him, pushed him and he goes you go and sort them out and push Warren Clark into the dressing room. Warren Clark has just virtually looked around and goes, I'm not going to do anything, I'm a blue. And that was Warren Clark, and that's God's honest. Um, God bless him because he's passed away now. And I love the Alan Pascal as well. But he walked in, and Kiddo's just virtually gone like that. Kiddo's just come across and apologize and sorry. And Kiddo's just gone around and Kiddo has just been firm. And to be honest, Kiddo's another one that when Kiddo says something to you, you listen. You just, you know, you listen to the kiddo. it says it, and I tell you what, we go out second half. Not that we was terrible in the first half. Not that we had 30, you know, 30-odd passes against us on four different occasions, made against us, playing around us, not laying the glove on us or anything like that. It was just at the time that we, City, was just lifted themselves. They want the fans are up for it. They got themselves going for it. They made that game bigger in the first half. That bigger for them than what it was for us. They really went at us to test us out, and we wasn't right for it. We were still living in that mode, and we hadn't forgotten maybe midweek, but we were at second half, and I think the second half is history, really, when people watch and see see what happened. But we have to remember um, David White, and early on in that first half, I was still two 0 down, had one on one with Big Pete, and Big Pete did one of those star shaped saves. And then after that, that's when we went on. And if the game had carried on another five minutes, it would have been 4-2. It would have been 5-2 because we just we just had control of the game. And obviously that goal from Roy, you know, there's Roy and Eric's one as well from far post goals. And it was an, inc- it was an incredible Saturday afternoon. Three o'clock, It was a, a three o'clock kickoff. Everything was absolutely fantastic and it was enjoyable. And it was then maybe the City players. Who didn't really enjoy their Saturday evening? We did, and that's the thing that comes about it. There's only you know, there's only one one side for glory, isn't there? Really, after a derby game as such, but Man City thoroughly enjoyed it. While, as I said before, if any of them, if any United players enjoyed it, and even more so, you couldn't, shouldn't have enjoyed it because of what happened two weeks previous at Old Trafford as well. Those things all come into it, Wayne. Yeah.
0: Um- just before we move on, very quickly, I want to get your thought on this. Scott Wooten on yesterday's podcast had a really interesting point that I hadn't thought of when I was watching the game, and I should have done Really, They mentioned that when he, he was watching it, he thought when it was 1-0, he, he felt that some of the players looked as though they were scared of being beaten again like they were against Liverpool. Do you think that yeah. maybe that?
1: Yeah, it's, it's human nature. It's coming to their mind that they were those players who... Had, You know, what he's saying, Scott, is virtually, I don't know who he's talking about, but then I think he's virtually saying to himself, they were the kind of players that should have been taken off because they made their mind up that Manchester City were better. Weak-minded, weak-minded, mate, and that's exactly what they are. And it's all well and good, you know, playing for United, but you should know everything that goes with it. I joined I joined Manchester United because everything that was being said about them after sitting and watching everything that in those in the 70s and watching them in, in that second division and what followed them. Followed, I had a mate of mine in school, and I'm talking a school in Hornchurch, Essex, who went to every single game. He went to every game. Everyone was a scratcher. Look at him, David Holstock, don't You what are you doing? He went to every single game. He loved the away games, everything that went with it. And Things like that are just coming to my head remembering about him and the euphoria that went with United. And I remember watching it on TV, the games that are on. So when the opportunity came for me and I'm sitting there on the verge of signing for a London team to stay in London, and if it wasn't for the fact of two reasons why I signed for United, one of the reasons that made it easy for me to go to Manchester United but was the name, the name and everything that went with it, my parents, the fact that my dad just knew about, you know, the three main men, main men from Manchester United, everything that being a Jamaican, but Peter Reid playing for Queen's Park Rangers, because all of a sudden me and Peter Reid became good mates when I was at Rangers. So I was going to stay with Peter Reid in Averston, near Bolton, and we was having nights out in, in Manchester, and I'm going around, going around in this city which I never knew about, and just seeing what going, wow. <laughs> and so when the opportunity came, I was already it was already in me because I knew a little bit about Manchester and what the people, met people, me being like a Londoner, to would become an Essex man, very insular in that way. And it just, and it just, and I suddenly realized and I learned the difference in appreciation of football. Football is loved. Once you, once you, once you come off of that M25 and travel away from London, football is love, two town teams, one town teams, it's just a completely different way of thinking. So you just know that you have to give everything. Give everything. That's all, that's all they want first and foremost. And they shouldn't really have to ask for it. It should be there as a footballer. It's your job, and that's the problem now. I'm just looking at now. Like, I think look at footballers now, and I'm wondering. Are they just treating it as a job now, rather than something they love? People come out and keep saying, "Oh, oh, you know, oh, I love football and this, and, and I've been doing this and." So a thought come out, Ben White come out and said the other day, oh, oh, I didn't like football when I was younger. You know, and I'm kind of looking, I'm kind of, poof, that's a hell of an honest statement to come out and say Because somewhere along the line, someone's going to dig it up in today's world when something ain't going right for you and they're going to question you. It was yeah. like in your DNA, we was brought up playing in the back garden, kicking the ball onto the main road when parents still live, South End Road, the main road that runs... From that, from like virtually London to South Ends, kicking the ball in there and running out and getting the ball, you know, maybe being knocked down, maybe on the verge of being knocked down 10 times, just to get the ball to kick about in the garden again with me two brothers. That's football, it's embedded in you. I don't know how many footballers a day are in it because they 100% love it and can live without it. You speak to footballers from my era, maybe just after my era, but definitely before my era, every single one of us want to be in football once we finish. We want something. Some are lucky to, to still live it every day, be around the changing room. Some of them, like me, work in the media. And I, I love just going to football matches and talking about it. I enjoy yeah. coming here after I've been to a football match and talking about, Manchester, talking about Manchester United. Could I actually just go to a football match, watch it, and then go back and just sit at home or go in a pub and just go with mates and whatever and talk about it? Yes, I can, because I'm going to be socialising with good friends, but I'd rather come and chat to you, Wayne, or sit on the radio 10 minutes after a game and just let all my emotions come out because I've just kind of seen something that has got, got me buzzing.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, Um Again, you're so right in what you're saying, and I think you're right. So, so, so like I said, with regards to Scott's comment about the players being fearful um, and not understanding maybe the um, the stage that they're on or what it demands. And while we come well, that's on that's the this, difference. That... Sorry,
1: Wayne. Sorry, Wayne. Just, that's the thing. That's, I look at players now, and you've got to remember, it's a different culture now. Players now don't sign for Manchester United because of history or anything like that, a lot of them don't see it that way, a lot of them, the ones that, you know, you've got to look at now the players that you can get, as the players go around and look at the coaches, agents are pushing towards coaches, where before it was about history and going there to try and build on that history, knowing that if you can go and replicate something, it's going to make you into something. Again, that's Manchester United, that's what he'd done for me, and the fact of, is there it was just sitting there and it needed something, and if it got it, it would make a major difference in your life. And that's Manchester United for me. And it's being brave enough to go and do that. That's what it was about, being brave to go and take that on or take the easy, easy road and stay local, stay, stay around that area where you know people, come out your comfort zone was, you know, was a diff, was wasn't was, was, was not, didn't happen that often. So me going to Manchester was a big, big difference. I think a lot of players get in a comfort zone and they're not willing to step out of it because that might mean a little bit of, little bit of pressure. But more importantly for them, hard work. They don't want the hard work. They get, you know, they, they get injured. They're always injured all the time. I was injured all the time. A lot of players were injured, but we had to carry on. And yes, we carried on because there was benefits. There was incentives. But more importantly, we wanted to play in every single game and wanted to win every game because we knew what went with it
0: yeah ben asks the owner's obsession with money above else is that infecting the wider club i mean how do you set standards on the field when the club's priorities are distorted i'll just answer this quickly ben i I, i've put the um um i I wrote an article that's on the website i think you've probably read it already mate but um it it, sort of talks about that the sort of backing a manager just enough but when we're at that that sort of stage of competing when there's extra money on the table, they put it in their pockets and not um, back the manager um, even more to bridge the gap. And that's been a problem through every manager. Ferguson was good enough to sort of compensate for that. The other managers were not good enough because they didn't have good enough squads. Um, Not just because of that, not good enough managers as well, but um, it's part of the problem. Absolutely. Um, I just want to, that sort of, Touching on that point about um, the players coming out and talking and everything like that, um, people might be asking us to comment on the alleged Harry Maguire quote about not believing we could come back. Now, that was um, put to Ollie by a journalist um, called Ali Bender, Alison Bender. Um, and Ollie looked mortified um, when that question was put to him. Um, because if ever a player personified unlikely comebacks in terms of injuries or late goals, then he's that man. And his ideology of Manchester United would have been, we never give up. Um, I didn't actually think it was the most professional line of questioning, the, the way that Alisson put that question to Ollie. But I also haven't actually seen or read what McGuire actually said. Um, this is only what Alisson said that he said. So I personally asked Alison on Twitter if she could show the footage of that Aaron Maguire interview. And I think a few people have asked her. And as as yet, she hasn't replied. But I think when we're talking about a comment as serious as that, the repercussions are a player getting dropped or even stripped of his captaincy. And I think it's fair to say, let's wait and see what, if anything, was actually said by Maguire. I think that's a massively serious comment. And we need to sort of let Maguire's words, if they were said, be judged in the context in which they were said and not the way that a journalist is putting them across to Ollie. Um, that said I still don't think that it was the best line of questioning to put to Ollie because it led him up the garden path a little bit and, and um, didn't look very good. Um, if, it, if they're true then obviously we'll, we'll talk about them. Um, but what we do know is what the players have put out themselves, Paul. Maguire and others have made social media statements again since the game. Eric Bay posted a picture of the scoring the own goal and then said nobody's frustra- more frustrated than me, no excuses. I mean, the lads talked about on the podcast yesterday and they were um, aghast by that. Maguire, I'm going to read exactly what he said, so we, we are not paraphrasing. As a group of players, we are going through a tough period. We know and accept this is nowhere near good enough. We feel your frustration and disappointment. We are doing everything we can to put things right and we will put things right. Thanks for your support, United, which is all well and good, but we've heard this before for the last two or three years that they've been at the club and they haven't put it right when there's been the big um, drop-offs because the best that we've got is sort of second and third. Putting it right is putting United where they, they were and we're, we're not there. It so, doesn't matter what you've said in the past because if you're going back what you've said in the past, it's not Come true, so you've said it now, and we we can't take those words seriously because they've not come through in performances. I'm speaking as a fan, as a supporter, we don't want to hear that. I don't know what to say because we sign players with brands, and even the most unfashionable players, um, the defenders I'm sorry, Paul, but full backs and defenders, even in your day, the most unfashionable, yeah,
1: of course. Players.
0: I, I, but they've. Now they arrive at a club, they've got their own social media team and they look to exploit, like you said earlier, they they look at United as a platform and a profile, they look to exploit that for their own brand as well, which fair enough, that's part of the game now. The club can't ban that because it's part of the image rights and everything like that. But there has to be a line Paul, somewhere, a line in there of common sense which says management, management and I'm talking football management has got to come first because The bottom line is, nobody wants to hear what they're saying. The fans don't want to hear, even if it's positive intentions, they don't want to hear it. Because it comes across as an excuse. It comes across as like, I don't know if it it comes across as they're wanting to show that they've got character. We don't want to hear the words, we want to see the actions. I would implore this as a rule at the moment. Because I'm certain like Alex Ferguson would be reading the right acts and he'd be telling you all to delete your accounts if you add them. Now, this isn't about Fergie, but it's the principle of gaining control of your locker room, ownership of that locker room, ownership of players taking ownership of their own performances and the way that they conduct themselves, and self-respect over your conducts and performances as well. Stop the posts now. Stop them. They're ridiculous. Lose a game, draw a game, and then don't post, don't talk about it don't go gossiping to your favourite journalists and, and saying things that are going to throw the under more pressure it's now when you've lost a game or you draw a game it's the manager's job in a press conference the next one that comes along, he's the one who has to face the, he's the one who faces the consequences of losing his job or, or keeping his job he's the one who faces the criticism in the press because miraculously United have lost 5-0 and 2-0 to their biggest rivals, and they could have been 10-4, and 4, and nobody would have blinked an eyelid. And all the criticism is on the manager. The players have avoided it somehow. Somehow they haven't been thrown under the bus, and the manager hasn't thrown them under the bus. So don't come out making these statements because they don't mean anything. They just frustrate the fans even more. It's the manager's job in the press conference to deal with the questions that are going to come from the journalists. Your job as players is to talk on the pitch and answer the performance last time in the best way. I'm speaking as a support, Paul, but that kind of thing must be alien to you. I know that we've talked about this. We talked about it after the Liverpool game when they came out and talked about it. But can you imagine as a player, you having the... Because I look at it as the easy way out. Imagine just being able to go into your Twitter account and just say, oh, well, I promise we'll try harder next time wouldn't cut it wouldn't cut it and and for you as a player as a professional is it frustrating to see them think that that that's acceptable because they it's all right saying that a lot of them said it after the Liverpool game and look what happened against the city game it was even worse so what do we do against Watford lose 6-0 do you know what i mean i don't, you know. don't know you just don't know you just
1: don't. I look at it and i think to myself thank god for the motorola phones and Nokia phones they <laughs> didn't make it accessible. Go and talk nonsense. All you had was computers, and by the time those things warm up, you you could have been anywhere and done anything. No, yeah. I mean now yeah. it's too quick, and silence is golden sometimes. As I exactly, I say it a lot of times. People that haven't got an idea which way it's happened. Just silence is golden, and and they just think they plans that they think by going it, and that that old one as well is it? Oh, we go again. You think so? Oh my God. As you know, football is ups and downs, egg on your face, topsy-turvy, all the cliches, shows, and you just don't know. But all you want to really know is that in certain ways it, it bothers players, but you, but you yeah. don't want to find that out by them reading about it and talk about this and talk about that. I mean, I was very, very lucky during my career that I, you know, from a country, I'd um, I'd like a Bobby Robson, Bobby Robson, sorry, as a manager, but I had a Brian yeah. Robson, I had... Terry Butcher and even Pete Shelton in the way, and a bit and a bit of Gary Lineker. But then, as a club player, I've been either Brian Robson, I had Steve Bruce. You know, then after, then the next captain, then you, there was an Eric and there was a Roy. United have had good captains, really good captains, who knew just how they presented themselves. They they knew about what the club was and they knew how it mattered to the people, the city, everything about that portion of the city, what it meant. So they even when there was some poor performances and we all had poor performances, no one suddenly went, as you pull it, to their favorite journalist to say something, trying to get, you know equalise it or something that they think is going to soften the blow. They knew that everyone knew it was bad, they knew it was bad, and the only way to get it sorted out and deal with it was to was to play that next game yeah. and show commitment and then, and then, and anything happens after that is a bonus. Be a hundred percent committed. And if anything, you win that game, but you remember that bit before hasn't been forgotten. You didn't have to write words for people to go, okay, that's all right. Okay, boys, good boys. Now you've admitted you've got it wrong. It'll be better next time. Football doesn't work that way. Words make no difference in football now because there isn't that many hungry enough players out there. You might really mean it when you put it out there. You, not the team. Did you get them all together in the dressing room and say, let's put something together? Or did you suddenly go, hold a minute, how many more followers can I get if I write this statement? How many people are going to like it if I put this out there? I'm going for the latter because footballers have become even more selfish than what they were in my time because we were selfish. Of course, we were selfish in certain ways and a lot of ways about things. But it was definitely more positive than what it is now.
0: The... um. Patrick made the early comments about the players being dropped. And just a quick point before we end the show, I just wanted to ask you on this. Again, might be a labored point, but McGuire is obviously the, the key, one of the key um, players to talk about in this. Obviously we don't know what he said to Alison Bender and we'll wait and see what comes out. But you mentioned earlier, regardless of, of what he said on performances, that it's a case to say that you could drop him and, I guess, then subsequently strip him of the captaincy as well. And if Ollie survives, or if he is to survive, which I, I think is very, very doubtful at this moment in time, but regardless of that, whoever comes in, they've still got to make significant changes in, in terms of personnel, because yeah, we could say Luke Shaw deserves to be dropped, and Fred deserves to be dropped, these players who Ollie didn't bring in, but Maguire does, Aaron wan does. I mean, wan position in On on Saturday, it was unbelievable. I mean, I was seeing Foden, and and don't get me wrong, Foden's an intelligent player, but wan Basaka was nowhere near him. He was being taken to the cleaners, and we've seen wan Basaka play better against a proper winger in terms of Sterling. But, um, yeah. A lot of that
1: Wayne Wayne was down to Pep. Pep done that with wire people. Cancelo on that side as well. Those two, they pulled him all over the place. Oh yeah, and he wanted at that time. He was dreaming of Jack Greenish because he knew exactly what Jack Greenish was going to do, and that and that was the difference, and that was the big difference on that side of it. Yes, he should have been better. There's a there's two there's two ways of being a defender. You can be a defender as I was a lot of the time spent at QPR, just getting close to people and just staying there and saying, "I'm going to deal with you," or what I played as a sweeper. I learned how to define space. When I saw space, fill it, or just be aware of it. If anything goes, it's mine. It's like a goal kick from a free kick. And yep. I look at Juan, but Juan all of a sudden, he got given a difficult, because normally he's used to being up against someone What's wants to dribble
0: yeah.
1: in his pocket all day long. Movement killed him. He couldn't deal with movement. People go, I'm not going to beat you with pace. I'm going to beat you with movement and everything yeah. early. They suck him. They suck him. He knows he's got to close down. And then they're yep. just playing behind him. So he got suckered. Manchester yeah. United got suckered. The three at the back should have been better. Baye should have been in the hole. And I'll tell you the biggest problem and I'll stop you. I'll let you go in a minute. Communication. Yeah. Yeah. They don't talk. Don't talk.
0: The, the, the you, communication is part of that like individual responsibility, isn't it? And not the too many shrinkers. Yeah. Like Keen called them bluffers. Um and I don't I I think Keen and you you can say that kind of thing because your former players who played for United, I don't like using words like that, but I can see, I, I know exactly what you're talking about, but they were, the one thing that is clear is that there weren't enough players taking responsibility. There weren't enough players who looked as hurt. I mean, don't te- don't get me wrong, I don't think Ronaldo played well, but you could see he was hurting by what was happening, and I don't think I could see that enough players were hurting by that. But we talk about yeah, those players. I learned
1: that. Yeah, I learned that wine yeah. from coming from coming to united being next to steve bruce i yeah. learned more there going back to being a right back after seven eight years of not playing there i, I learned about yeah. i knew that i had to start it was all right when i was at qpr and like that was a completely different scenario and i was captain but i learned when i went there about communication and i was virtually you know learnt to speak more and not yeah. be so shy of it Learnt to shout and scream and knowing that people are going to accept it because we're all in it together. And if there was a problem, we'd get in the dressing room and we'd sort it out there. Someone didn't like what was said, yeah. and that's and that's how we and that's how we got by. And that's how we got by by talking to each other. It wasn't the fact we just worked off cuff. We communicated. When things were going wrong, we'd to Jeff about someone being in that position. Roy would come back. Roy would virtually come back, and Inti would come back and tackle somebody. And as they're running away to carry on, they swear You do that. Why didn't you do yeah. that? And that? And that's the big difference. There's no one doing that. Maybe only Fernandez to a point when he does some of his silly lunges. He's doing it because he's getting aggravated.
0: Yeah. Um, you, you said that. It's really interesting to know like, how that changes over the years. When I was working with the twins on the book, they were talking about Rio and Vidic. And they would just say, go, stay, left, right. But they got the... Um, obviously, there was a the translation issue, but the simplicity comes with the experience. So you can make those simple uh, instructions because you know the spaces that you fill in. And it just doesn't even seem to be that at the moment. And if they are doing that, they're getting it wrong. Um, But yeah, sorry, to go back to the point I was saying before the the actual performance part, um, very quickly, I know we're running out of time on this, but Maguire and Shaw, sorry, Shaw and Fred are obviously not all these signings. They were players, so it's not a, a bigger statement to drop them. But Maguire and Wambasaka are, and they do deserve probably some time out of the side because of how poor they've been. They are all his men, whether or not he's there. Obviously, if he is still there, it's going to be a, a bigger statement that he drops them. The alternatives aren't great, but like Patrick said, you've got to send a message, haven't you? You've got to maybe bring in a rookie and say, look, if you don't perform... I'm going to have to give this rookie a chance because you've been that bad. And and let's let's be fair. Liverpool five nil. Man City two nil in that fashion. That is that bad that you do bring in a rookie or you've got to make like three or four seismic changes. And that's that's for Oli or the man in, man coming in, but especially Oli because like there is players. He's got to make that statement, hasn't he? Half time was
1: that's when a statement should have been made at half time. Yeah. Massive statement should have been made at half time. It was as simple as that. It was there for him to go and do. Now I do not want to see it the I want to see a change for the next game in two weeks' time. I do not want to see that three at the back or five at the back or a seven or a seven-two-one as it almost ended up. Yeah. I want to see him make changes. Oh big changes. I don't want I, I don't really in theory buy. Uh, Taken off by was a negative one because by was dis- disillusioned from Leicester. You see against Atalanta, everything he did because he had an incredible game. That was his perfect game for him. That was unscripted. It was there was no structure there. It was just all off all off the cuff. And his defending was incredible. One man defending plays in the next game, gets t- scores an own goal facing the wrong way, but they've allowed the ball going to behind. If you're a team, get defenders facing their own goal when you cross the ball. Every time you get own gold, Linda you scored one as well, I remember, yeah, as well. So then you look at it and you think, right, okay. Other than that, really, I say to myself, you've done nothing wrong, Eric. You've done nothing real wrong. The kind of own goal you scored, yeah, that's you. It's a bit erratic, but that's you in a certain way. But at the end of the day, you got caught out unlucky. But he takes him off. Now, straight away, how, how, how is their relationship now? You know, he brings on Van he brings on Van der he brings on Sancho, he brings him on at negative times as he's done against Liverpool, as he's done in other games. Negative times. How are they feeling like stop gaps? You can't do that to people in today's age and like that and expect them to, when you when you go to them, oh, you want me now, dear, when you're in trouble. So yeah. if you're only now, you've got to live with that, you've made your own bed now, he's got to do it. He's got to stop that bit in the middle now, that thread in the middle, stop that. It is totally, totally, totally over. Because as I said before, someone has to convince me. What are they holding? What are they held? They can't create. They can't hold. They don't stop any goals going. People go through the middle quicker than what they quicker than what they do round, round the M25 at three o'clock in the morning. So it's absolutely a waste of time. Get a creative. Yeah. Get someone who. Fernandes feels he can pass the ball to yeah. and they're going to pass it somewhere and there's a third-man run or they can give it back to him. Get the ball so they can get ball retention. The longer they can keep the ball in the midfield and get the ball closer and play on the peripheral of the attacking bird, all of a sudden, Cristiano Ronaldo will get five, six opportunities a game. He'll be closer to goal. He'll be able to move his feet quicker. At the moment, he's moving his feet and dancing on the halfway line. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely a pointless exercise now. If you're going to go down now, go down saying, I've had a right go at it, but then having a the respect to people that you're trying something different. Should have done it a while ago, but please do not let me see this system and those other people out there. I want I want him to be, Dean Smith, leaving out means could have been one of his downfalls. I think Mings has gone behind his back. But I, he took, he did, he left his captain out of the game. They didn't win the game, but were they better? Were the players happier? We don't know. Make a big decision. Leave him out. Do not, do not put him in your team at this moment because all he wants to do is put his arm up and moan at referees, trying to cover up for himself. Selfish player. Put people in there who want to play. By Lindelof. When Brand comes back, make your mind up from there. But your problem, as it's been for a while, is Maguire on that left-hand side next to Luke Shaw. Two people are lazy, no pace, no great defensive football brain.
0: I'm <laughs> just going to give you standing ovations throughout the podcast now. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess that's it for this week. Ben's put a couple of questions in there. Um, If a young Ferguson was available now, would the club appoint him? Personally, I doubt it. Maybe not, because he demanded control that um, I don't think they'd be happy to acquiesce away. Man management is lacking, isn't it, in some respects? Paul just said it there, Van der Beek and Sancho, um, Eric Bay. So, Van der Beek and Sancho, yeah, like Paul said, you said about the... I think you mentioned Liverpool, but I think you meant Atalanta, where they came on with, like, three minutes to go. I think that was... I put that in my match summary for the website. I think it was an unfair sub to make, um, to you threw them in was like the last roll of a dice, asking them to do something that they should have been asked to do um, months ago. Um, anyway, it, it wasn't fair to do that to them. Um, yeah. Anyway, so I guess that's it for this podcast. So we do, were going to try and do it for half an hour, but um, there was a lot to cover. There was a lot to cover. Um Ollie's demanded a wounded animal reply against Watford. Um, we can see that we're wounded animals on the podcast this morning. Will he be there to see it? Will We will be anyway. Uh, we'll be back to review we'll that game in a couple of weeks. Unless something prompts us to come back in the meantime, that'll be the uh, next time you'll hear from us on the podcast. So if you enjoyed the podcast, please give us a nice review or rating on Apple Podcasts. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Stay safe, stay well, and thanks for listening and watching.